Hey everybody, Jim Williams. Welcome to the Politically Incorrect Podcast here on News Talk Florida. And you know, I think it's important sometimes to get our inner wonk on, you know. To get a better idea of something, we need to go to people who understand it and can explain it. And there's no better person, frankly, who can explain from a conservative side as to why the conservatives are against the American Health Care Act, which of course is the replacement for the Affordable Care Act, or aka Obamacare, that is being advanced by Speaker of the House Paul Ryan. Now, our guest is Jason Pye. He is the Director of Public Policy and Legislative Affairs for FreedomWorks, which is a grassroots organization. But don't let that grassroots organization part fool you. FreedomWorks is a very, very strong group of people who work together to get people elected to office, obviously mostly Republicans. They get them elected to office on a local basis. They get them elected to office on a regional basis. Plus, they have done their share of work at getting people in Congress and in the Senate. So Freedom Works, even though they are a grassroots organization, is an organization that is extremely, extremely powerful. Jason Pye is their, as I said before, policy wonk. And I say policy wonk with a great deal of respect. And Jason, when I called you earlier this week, I think you were at page 15 or 16 of um, your draft to... um, to the Freedom Works folks to find out and explain what is wrong with the American Health Care Act. And um, I don't know, where, where did you leave off before we uh, got off the phone? Were you on page 14 or 15 on that? 15 pages, 15 oh, pages. Okay. I'm hoping uh, that was distributed uh, distributed internally as well as to some of our external folks, our, our friends on the outside. And mm-hmm. hopefully, I'm going to uh, have the opportunity to post it online probably today or tomorrow. Uh, I gotta condense, well, not condense it down, but make it more public, uh, readable publicly. Okay. So, yeah. We'll link to it if you give us uh, that. We'll make sure so oh, people sure. can can read it. Is it fair, you know, Jason, to con- to say that this plan uh, is really a plan that is being advanced by Speaker of the House Paul Ryan and not necessarily the White House? Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, I think I think the the president did lay out some general principles for what he wanted mm-hmm. to see out of reform, but uh, the policy details have largely been left up to uh, the speaker's office uh, as well as uh, the rest of House Republican leadership. So, I think the speaker has taken a substantial amount of ownership of this plan, uh, both its uh, what few uh, positives it has as well as the many drawbacks it has. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it, the the burden ultimately falls on him whether this thing passes or not. And uh, I think you're seeing the White House uh, come out and say they're open to certain changes, especially changes that groups like Freedom Works wants to see, as well as members of the mm-hmm. House Freedom Caucus and the Republican Study Committee, <clears throat> uh, whereas the Speaker seems resistant to those those changes, and that's really unfortunate. We, you know, this has been an institutional goal of Freedom Works for for years to repeal Obamacare and uh, replace it with patient-centered free market alternatives, but this bill ain't it. Uh, at the end of the day, which is why we've come out in such forceful, forceful opposition to it. Um, you know, we're we're hoping we remain hopeful that it'll be changed and mm-hmm. go in a direction we like. But, you know, um, that's going to take a change of attitude from the speaker. OK, Jason, maybe you can help me with this. Uh, speaker Ryan has a three part plan. It's it, it is actually looks to me uh, like it's he's playing three dimensional chess or so legislative jujitsu because part of it's reconciliation 
part of it would be done through um, edicts which would come out of um, HHS uh, Secretary Tom Price's office, and then part of it would be traditional uh, legislation which would require 60, um, 60 votes. So uh, there's a lot that's not in this plan, and there's a lot, a lot where they're assuming that if we do this, then we can try this, and then we can get to this. I mean, there's you got to take a heck of a leap of faith to believe that this bill, uh, in any way, shape, or form, can reach any of the goals that um, you know that Speaker Ryan has laid out. Is is that fair? Would that it's, be? It's really, yeah. I think that's that's a fair assessment. I mean. Uh, the, so, I mean, the three-prong process, so let's go over the three prongs right now. Right. So first you have repeal through reconciliation, repeal and right. replace through reconciliation. Right. You have regula- regulatory action, and mm-hmm. you have what, they call, what they're calling regular order. Now, mm-hmm. repeal through reconciliation, repeal and replace through reconciliation takes away the filibuster in the Senate. You only need 51 votes there, uh, right. although the rules are very tightly constrained. You only can do mm-hmm. certain things in those rules. Um, the regulatory process, and they, they keep talking about the regulatory process like it's a magic bullet. Uh, it's it's really not. Uh, I mean, it does. It will certainly help. Don't get me wrong. But let's remember here that those changes are whatever changes Secretary Price and as, as much respect as I have for Secretary Price, whatever changes he makes are administrative changes. They can be overturned by the next president or the next administration in four to eight years. So let's that offers only temporary st- stability to the marketplace if it offers any real stability at all. So Jason, we have to keep that in mind. Yeah, Jason, one quick question. Um, aren't they also open to um, to legal um, uh, questions? So, in other words, somebody could um, take them to court on it. Yes, absolutely. There's always they're always open to litigation. Those sorts of right. things are always open to litigation. Uh, so that assumes that someone nobody files suit, and especially mm-hmm. it, it'll be kind of ironic if if progressive groups or, or activists start filing or progressive activists mm-hmm. start filing lawsuits against administrative action, considering they. They uh, yelled at us whenever we did such things against the Obama administration. With, with sure. that said, uh, you know, at the end of the day, for these changes to have any real meaning at all, they're going to have to go through Congress and be codified in the law. Mm-hmm. And and then and then finally, the third prong is is that uh, regular order uh, approach, which basically means right. that we won't be doing this through regulate uh, a reconciliation. We'll be doing this through the normal process, mm-hmm. legislative process, which means the filibuster would apply. So right. things like the buying and selling of insurance across state lines would presumably fall in that process. The repeal mm-hmm. of the, uh, the McCarran-Ferguson, the antitrust exemption the insurance companies have through McCarran-Ferguson, right. uh, that would come in that, that third bucket as well. Actually, the House is planning on moving on some of those pieces of legislation next week, not the buying and selling of insurance across state lines, but a few other things dealing with like association plans and uh, McCarran-Ferguson. Um, but those things, I mean, again, they'll, you know, they could. Some of them may be blocked by the Senate or Senate Democrats. Some of them may, may not. McCarran Ferguson has had bipartisan support when it's come up in the past, uh, at least in the House. Now the Senate's a different story. Mm-hmm. Do you think it will make it through the House as is? The 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 American Health Care Act, right? Yes. Uh if you. <laughs> If <laughs> I do not, I do not believe it will make it through the House without substantial changes. Mm-hmm. Uh, not right, not as it's currently written. And they're already talking about some sort of uh, what we call a manager's amendment, which means sure. before it goes to the floor for a vote, they'll have some sort of substitute language that'll be introduced to replace the current text, to in hopes to make it more palatable 
to uh, to members who are currently opposed to it. By my count, there are twenty there there are eighteen to twenty five hard no's, mm-hmm. and there are about as many as forty members who are on the fence about the bill. Right. Uh, and you can only lose like I think thirty members if the bill if the bill goes right. uh, go down in right. flames. Right. Now you support um, Representative Jim Jordan and the Freedom Caucus. Um, they want basically, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, a what in essence is a clean repeal of the legislation. Yeah. So what they would like, what they would like to see is a the the 2015 2016 bill uh, that passed Congress uh, with overwhelming Republican support. I think only. Three members of the House and uh, two, three members of the Republican conference in the House, and two Republican senators voted against it mm-hmm. uh, when it went through last time around. And so what they're saying is there's obviously disagreement on replace. So let's know, let's go with what we know we support, which is full repeal, which is repeal. Now this bill in 2015, 2016 was, it was repeal, but it was not full repeal. It got mm-hmm. rid of uh, the parts of the law that you can get rid of through reconciliation. They didn't right. test other other certain aspects of it, such as. Uh, the essential health benefits or the actuarial mm-hmm. values under Obamacare. Um, so this time around, the American Health Care Act does do go after some of the, the actuarial values uh, mm-hmm. under Obamacare, which is strange, and I can explain that in detail, although I, I will probably – I may lose some of your listeners. I but, doubt uh, it. I mean, we, we're all interested. <laughs> all right, so uh, – let me let me just go ahead and say that the one thing I'll uh, the one big thing I'll say about the bill before I go into some more of the details is that right. the biggest concern we there are two big concerns we have with it two major concerns there are other concerns as well but there are two major concerns the first okay. is um, Obamacare uh, it has tax credits and cost sharing subsidies which helps right. lower the cost of insurance coverage for people who make under four hundred percent of the poverty level right. Um, so that is – and we the, – the tax credit is what we call an advanceable refundable tax credit, meaning you can get it in advance, mm-hmm. and if your tax liability is zero, you can get, still get a refund at the end of the year or a tax time. Um, it also had cost-sharing subsidies to help pay for the cost of insurance coverage, especially for people who are more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Ryan bill uh, repeals one advanceable refundable tax credit and mm-hmm. puts in place another advanceable refundable tax credit. Although this one's age rated, meaning it doesn't apply to income, it applies uh, right. based on the person's age. And then it also has $100 billion uh, over 10 years in cost sharing subsidies, uh, mm-hmm. which they call the patient and state stability fund. Uh, so in total, you're looking about, you're repealing about 630 something billion dollars in, in subsidies and you're putting in place about another, four, uh, putting in place $420 billion in subsidies roughly. Mm-hmm. So Again, we're we're kind of just repealing one entitlement to replace another entitlement, and uh, you know the whole point of this exercise is to get rid of an entitlement. And mm-hmm. now, recently, the speaker has said um, he's lashed out at some Republicans who say, and conservatives especially, who say we should go after more of the law, uh, mm-hmm. specifically things like the essential health benefits. Mm-hmm. And he says we can't do that because this will run afoul of the Bird Rule in the Senate, which is kind of an arcane rule that deals with certain. Uh, parameters like uh, you can't uh, each thing you touch in reconciliation has to have some sort of direct impact on on, on spending or revenues uh, or and you can't run a deficit over 10 years uh, and you can't uh, you can't put something in a reconciliation bill that is not within the committee of jurisdiction like so if the committee of if the, if you were touching on veterans issues or immigration issues in reconciliation the, like the committees who are assigned with the bill can't yeah. 
touch those issues. Uh, so that's so that's part of it. And so they're saying that they can go after two parts of Obamacare uh, that uh, are arguably going to fall victim to the Byrd rule in the Senate. Mm-hmm. One is uh, the age rating uh, restriction or age rating uh, restrictions in Obamacare. Right. Basically, under current law. Uh, under Obamacare, you cannot charge some an older person three times more than what you would charge. Uh, you could charge them only three times uh, more than the youngest enrollees. Right, uh, and the new one so can go up to five. Can go up to five, right? So they're saying, and but they're saying that they can put that through, even though it has it falls it, by my read of statute. Uh, it has no direct effect on. I mean, it it, it has it it arguably does, but mm-hmm. I, I'm going to get in my argument in a second. Uh, so it arguably does because you are, if you, if based on the subsidies, you would spend more for that older person to subsidize their insurance coverage, um, if they had the the 5% rating or 5%, uh, the, 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 they could charge them five times more than the youngest person. Right. On another part of it, the, um, the actuarial values. Now we know these as Obamacare's metal tiers, bronze, silver, um, pl- uh, gold and platinum. Right. So basically, like you before Obamacare, most health insurance policies you bought on the marketplace or the individual market had a minimum forty percent actuarial value, mm-hmm. and that's that's the, what the insurance company was re- required to pay for each in each policy. Uh, you paid the remaining sixty percent through copays, deductibles, coinsurance, things like that. Uh, so <laughs> uh, Obamacare raised it to sixty percent minimum. So sixty mm-hmm. percent is bronze, seventy percent is silver, and so on and so forth. Uh, so Republicans are proposing a sunset of those actuarial values. Um, mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, they're saying they can't go after the essential health benefits because they have no direct impact on spending, but they're saying they can go after the actuarial values, which also have, according to their logic, have no impact on spending. Uh, but interestingly enough, those two, the actuarial values and the essential health benefits, reside in the exact same co- code section of Obamacare at Section 1302. Mm-hmm. So... If you're making the argument for one, why can't you make the argument for the other? And and again, I I do agree that you probably you should be able to go them go through them and the, uh, through reconciliation because they do affect spending. But why are you only going for those and not going for the other ones? If that's your argument, it doesn't really make much sense to me. And I know I'm probably botching how to explain this, but like I've been trying to explain it. I mean, I should have it down by now, but I've been explaining it all week to people. Well, it's a very uh, it's a complex you know subject. Number one and number two. Especially reconciliation, because reconciliation, if there's not some budgetary um, link to it, then you have to go literally to the um, the Senate parliamentarian for for what in essence is a judgment. Right, and the Senate parliamentarian, if if they rule against, uh, if the Senate parliamentarian rules against you, right. Uh, you can you can ask you can overturn the ruling of the parliamentarian by a two thirds vote, right? Uh, so or and, and that's very difficult to do in the Senate. But mm-hmm. there's a rule in the uh, there's a rule in the Senate rules apparently that Senator Cruz is trying to exploit that basically if the vice president comes in and overturns the uh, the parliamentarian, it can be upheld by a majority vote. Yeah. So I mean that's it's an interesting little it's an interesting loophole that uh, I. We, I would love to see Republicans exploit. I'm looking at this like, you know, Speaker Ryan's plan to me looks like 
with no pun intended, three-dimensional chess. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you it, it's it's not easy. It's not easy to explain. It is. It requires a tremendous amount of legi- you know, legislative jujitsu to get it through this thing. I, 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 you know, and why the rush? I'm just asking. Well, no, I mean, I think that's what everybody wants to know is why the rush. Uh, you know, it's. This is one of Republican. This has been a Republican uh, push for the last seven years, almost eight years, mm-hmm. and to, to fight back against Obamacare, to repeal Obamacare, and then to replace Obamacare. Well, the groundwork was laid for that last Congress. I mean, let's go ahead and mm-hmm. get re- let's go ahead and get repeal through using the 2015, mm-hmm. 2016 bill as as the baseline, mm-hmm. and then and then work on repeal later. I mean, this if we can't agree on replace, let's work on uh, excuse me, work on replace later. If we can't agree on replace, let's go ahead and move forward with what we agree on. So I think Congressman Jordan. And also, Senator Paul are absolutely correct. That's if that's the way we have to approach it. That's the way we should be approaching it. You know, and we'll have two years to work out the details. Mm-hmm. And it took, as you recall, I mean, we were both there uh, covering it and a part of it. it. When Obamacare was being crafted, it took two years to get to, you know, the final bill. So yeah, right. you know, two years versus you know. A month and a half. Um, <laughs> just saying, uh, you know, you're you're asking for a heavy lift right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, and but see, here's here's the thing, and, and I think this is one thing that people, uh, you know, have not fully. Maybe maybe some people have realized it, but uh, you know, we've had we've had seven years. We should have had something that uh, we should have had something a long time ago that we all rallied behind or could could mm-hmm. rally behind. We should have spent the the time in the wilderness that we spent without having the White House. Uh, to come up with a plan and get not just consensus, but to get solid agreement amongst mm-hmm. everybody, all stakeholders in the House of Representatives, in the Senate, and on the outside with something we can all agree on. You know, that didn't happen. What, what they're saying, they have a consensus document. Yeah, you know, you may have a consensus with, within the you know, the establishment part of the Republican Party, but conservatives don't like this thing. Well, uh, and, yeah. What, what um, all right, let's, let's say for the sake of argument that Representative, uh, I'm sorry, Speaker of the House Ryan's uh, plan gets through and goes to the Senate. It's going to be changed. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I, mean, I think that's very clear right now. They don't have the votes in the Senate. I mean, they, they they don't have the votes in the House right now. They they definitely don't have the votes in the Senate. So where I mean, there's you have yeah. you have the most conservative members of the Senate and some of the most moderate members of the Senate coming out against it. Right. So when it when the Senate changes it because they're going to have to, and it goes back to the House. What do we do then? So probably what will happen, and this is best best case scenario, I think you go into co- uh, what they call a conference committee, and uh, right. the appoint, appointees from both the House and Senate will work out the details and come up with a final legislative text that will go for an up or down vote in both chambers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only path forward that I can see right now, is that the, the brains on both sides of the chamber will get together and hash out some sort of agreement. Well, in your text... 15, 16, 17, 18 pages, whatever it ends up to be, finally being. Um, what were what were you looking for? What are you saying, you know, in your in your policy, putting your policy wonk hat on, and, and I say wonk with great respect. Um, what did you know? What do you and FreedomWorks want to see as a final um, resolution of this? One of. <laughs> So I'm <laughs> trying to think of a way to say this without without making you incensed. 
Uh, I'm not one a decent guy to get mad. I mean, come on. <laughs> one of my colleagues and I have been kicking around the idea of like crafting what we see as like the ideal free market healthcare alternative. Nothing. Just, just this whole debate has gotten us frustrated to the point where we're like, we just just come up with our own plan, <laughs> and you know, it basically it consists of large HSAs out of which you can pay your health insurance premiums, um, ending employer sponsored health insurance coverage. That would be health savings accounts, correct? Yeah, health savings accounts, right? Ending employer sponsored health insurance coverage, uh, so people can have portability for their health insurance coverage. Uh, those are the sorts of things we would like to see in a, in a real healthcare a healthcare alternative. But that's not what's on the table. So what's on the table? What ultimately what we would like to see uh, the major things we would like to see done is uh, some control over the tax credits, either by making them non-refundable or only partially refundable, uh, just to make sure that it d- does not become an entitlement. Um, that's one thing. We also want to see Medicare, or excuse me, Medicaid, Medicaid, uh, mm-hmm. Medicaid expansion is targeted in this bill. Uh, and it expires uh, on January 1st of 2020. Uh, that's all well and good, and we support that. But uh, what do you think the likelihood of Medicaid expansion ending in the beginning of a presidential year is? Um, uh, I don't think it's very. It in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't think it's a, a viable path forward. I, I think that, and you're talking about in the CBO score, that's 880 billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Of savings over the next ten years, I don't right, think the, that that would actually happen. I, I'll be honest with you; I agree because uh, if you look at it, right, uh, you've got Kasich in Ohio, you've got you know you've got governors in some very important states, states that frankly are the states that uh, put Mr. Trump into the White House. I, I don't see that President Trump, who isn't necessarily conservative to begin with. Um, is going to bail on states yeah. like that, uh, especially when um, you know when there's voters to be had. Well, right. I mean, and that that's that's one of the concerns we have. Is it's not just and it's not just the White House. I think at the end of the day, I think it's Republicans who are looking out for their own rear ends. To be honest sure. with you, in both chambers. Mm-hmm. I think that's who that's really who you have to look for here, or look out for here. I, but at the end of the day, like what we would like to see done is we would like to see the Medicaid expansion expiration move up. To January first of 2018, we'd mm-hmm. like to see an immediate freeze in Medicaid expansion enrollment, as well as have work requirements added for Medicaid expansion, mm-hmm. or anybody or any any well Medicaid in general, not just the people who are enrolling under expansion. Like if you're going to enroll this program, you have to be making an effort to to work, or at least working uh, to to continue to receive the benefits. And uh, at this juncture, I don't know. I mean, what um, Seema Verma, who is now uh, CMS head. Uh, that's what Seema Verma was famous for doing uh, in her um, in her crafting of work uh, for um, a number of different states, including uh, Vice President Pence's state of Indiana. Was her ability to uh, to craft um, expansion with um, a certain amount of um, uh, of work related effort that went into it. Well, right, and I think at the end of the day, that's what they're. That's going to be one of the, one of the concessions they're going to have to make, and it's not the only concession they're going to have to make, but that's one of the uh, one of the ones they're going to have to do to get conservatives on board with this bill. Mm-hmm. What um, what are some of the others that you think are going to have to take place for conservative? I mean, there's uh, there's got to be bedrock things that the conservative, you know, side of the of the, of the Republican Party are going to say. Look, 
I can't, you know, there's, I can do this, I can do that, but there's absolutely no way I can do, you tell me, A, B, C, what? Well, I, well, I think, I think the, the, some sort of reining in of the tax credits, uh, uh, the Medicaid piece actually dealing with that quicker and, and adding in work requirements for able-bodied people. Uh, striking the continuous coverage requirement, which are what they call in very Orwellian doublespeak, the continuous coverage incentive, which basically says that if you are uh, someone who has not had insurance for more than 63 days, an insurance company can charge you or is required to charge you 30% more on top of your base premiums uh, for one year. So we want to see that's an individual mandate by another name, by Mm -hmm. another structure. So we want to see that taken out. Uh, and then uh, the uh, we would like to see Congress actually go after the essential health benefits. If you're going to go after the actuarial value standards and the age rating, like fine, let's do that. Mm-hmm. But let's also go after the essential health benefits as well. Uh, so those are those are all things we want to see done. Jason, um, I mean, this to me seems like if um, if the if it starts to bog down a little bit that this is something that could take six, eight, perhaps a year. I was going to say six, eight months to a year to um, to come to fruition. But, you know, there is the time to make it work, right? I mean, even if it takes six, eight months, you know, or a year, um, best to get it right than to try to, you know, slap a Band-Aid on, no pun intended. I mean, I it's hard to say right now. I, I think that um you know the house is supposed to vote on this uh vote on this next uh next week right um if they that's assuming they have the votes if the speaker doesn't have the votes he's not going to bring it to the floor i don't uh, he would be too big of a loss for him um so i think i i think that they're going to have to address the concerns of the house and the senate again completely different story but this could take this could take some time and the, the initial we heard initially that they were hoping to have uh have this done by president's day you know, right. here it is, March sixteenth, March sixteenth, right? And it, we still don't have this done. And then, uh, very uh, noticeably, the last meeting I went to, where we had we had people in the room talking about this from from leadership, they were saying, mm-hmm. "Well, this is now a first quarter project," and uh, so that means the end of March. And I think you're quite right. I think we could be getting to the point where we don't have this done by by May. Yeah, or, June, I, or later. Yeah, right. I I think that you know, there's um, there's such a schism within the Republican Party between, you know, basically three factions that, um, you know, trying to come to a consensus is not something that's going to take uh, a short period of time. Right. No, it's, it's not. And it's unfortunate that it had to be, it, it doesn't have to be this way, but it's unfortunate that it is this way mm-hmm. because there are other issues that FreedomWorks really wants to get to, like tax reform. Uh, that is that's now presumably put on hold until House leadership can actually finally like take the uh, you know, take the blinders off their eyes and realize that they have a real problem on their hands and they actually have to mm-hmm. make concessions to conservatives. You know, one of the things, Jason, that um, I find interesting, and perhaps you can shed some light on it, is why why was the rush for replace and re- repeal? I'm sorry, repeal and replace of Obamacare at the top of the list as opposed to you know, not dying on that hill. I mean, they're basically making the same mistake the Democrats did in, you know, in in, in 2009, 2010, is, well, I think, you know, rush to get it done and then realize, you know, this was not the way to do it. 
Well, I think I think that there are there are legitimate reasons and arguments for going after this first thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have insurance premiums rising 25% for the most popular health plans. You have sure. 16 counties in Tennessee who, who after Humana exited from the market, have no private health insurer right. available to them. You have, uh, I think, one-third of counties of the country who are one insurer exit away from not having any, any private health insurers on, mm-hmm. the, uh, on the exchanges. Uh, you know, and that's just that's just touching the base of, of everything that's right, wrong. And plus, sure. the you know, co- costs were supposed to be contained; they were supposed to go down by twenty twenty five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. They've gone up by a little more than three thousand. Mm-hmm. So they're legitimate. And plus, the Republicans have been talking about this for six or seven or for seven or eight years. So right. it's obvious, like this would be one of the first things on the list to do. Uh, but what they what their their fatal flaw wasn't was doing biting off more than they could chew. They knew we all agreed on replace. They knew we didn't agree on repeal, but they moved mm-hmm. forward anyway. And that's where they're falling into the, that's where they're stumbling. Just, just for, just for clarification. Um, I think you meant to say they agree on repeal. They haven't re, 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 sorry, agreed yes. on replace. That's, right. that's what happens when you spend as much time as Jason has spent working on this. You, you, yeah. you, you tend to get a little mushed at the, uh, at the, you know, when it comes to explaining that, but no, I I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, it you know they repeal was not the problem. Replace yeah, repeal is, is not the, the problem. problem, and it's going to be um, it's going to it's going to take time. I don't think this is an easy lift, and I definitely think that the White House you can start to see some distance between the White House and uh, and the Speaker on this. Yeah, uh, no, you definitely can. You definitely can, and I think I, I think the speaker is I think the speaker is uh, the speaker I think the president excuse me is really mm-hmm. indifferent how it gets done as long as it gets done and mm-hmm. him, him deferring to deferring to the speaker uh, because the speaker has you know has a, a thing for policy but the problem here is the speaker has has misled the president down a road that mm-hmm. uh, I don't think the president knew he was going and it's and it's not the president's fault it's the speaker's fault right and. Um... How about uh, you were talking about Secretary uh, Price? Um, you know, there's so, there's some things in this bill that I see that you know were things that then Congressman Price was involved with. So there's you know his fingerprints are on this bill as well. Oh sure, no, I mean, he he introduced. He was one of the the few Republicans to actually introduce a, a, a Obamacare alternative. His bill is right. called the Empowering Patients First Act. He introduced mm-hmm. it in every Congress since 2009. The bill had some good parts to it. Don't get me wrong. There was one piece in particular that we liked was the portability aspect of it. It promoted portability. Right. Um, but the, it, but the, the, I think there's there are some key differences here between the AHCA, the American Health Care Act, and, and Congressman or now Secretary Price's bill, mm-hmm. uh, especially as it relates to the tax credits. Yeah, Secretary Price's bill when he was in Congress, had an advanceable refundable tax credit, but it wasn't nearly the size of the advanceable uh, refundable tax credits that Ryan's bill offers. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's more, what's more, uh, it was it also extended the tax credit to uh, to people. People could choose whether they wanted to, if they were eligible for Medicare or Medicaid, or if they were on an employer plan, they could opt out, get the tax credit, and buy health insurance on their own. Uh, and that was, while I don't like the tax credit component, that actually the portability of it was actually a key component. That was a, one of the reasons that. Uh, I didn't frown upon his bill entirely, although I didn't particularly like it all. Um, but it, the, the port—I don't think people understand how important portability is, because at the end of the day, one of the reasons that uh, 
health insurance costs are rising so much is that people don't see the true cost of their coverage. So they don't care how they use it because they believe they're not paying for it. Um, they pay premiums, yes, but they, outside of that, they don't really see the true cost. Uh, so if people saw what they were spending, they would be more choosy about the dollars they were spending. And that was one of the components of Price's bill that I did really like. Um, the Ryan bill doesn't do that. It doesn't promote portability. Mm-hmm. It does expand HSAs, yes, but it doesn't. It does not uh, promote portability. What about the insurance companies? Um, I mean, <laughs> that's really the no pun intended. The sixty-four thousand dollar question is: is are they going to embrace um, Speaker Ryan's bill, or are they going to? You know, what type of of bill are they going to? Re- to embrace because you know at the end of the day if the insurance companies aren't on board this is not going to work yeah i mean we've heard i think there's one insurance company who it was escapes me right now but they also have a merger pending mm-hmm. so they came out in support of the bill i think people can read between the lines of why they came out in support of it but uh but a ah uh, ip association of health insurance plans they they've they've expressed concerns about the bill i think others have as well um, but there are components of this that sound they, like they were almost written by the health insurance industry, especially the continuous mm-hmm. coverage uh, requirement and a few other things. It sounds like they, the insurance company very much had their hands in it. The president wrote a book called The Art of the Deal. Um, he didn't do that because he saw a bad deal and decided, well, you know, if that's the best I can do, that's the best I can do. I, I, I honestly believe at the end of the day, there's going to be uh, that the president himself will will take this upon himself and figure out um, how to make um, a good deal out of what at the present doesn't seem to be a good deal. Right. And that's the hope yeah. that we can get a good deal. Well, I mean, um, I, I guess it, I, if, we, if we have to have faith in somebody, I guess at this point that the faith has to go to the president because otherwise it doesn't uh, – Congress hasn't exactly uh, stepped up and made us happy on this. No, they have. And I think the president is, is, is what I can tell right now. <clears throat> uh, the White House is the only, the, only willing, the only willing actors in this to actually make, a, make the bill better and make it more palatable to conservatives. Well, they seem to be talking to all sides. And you know, yeah. when, when you've got – the president and his um, and his team willing to to sit down and 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 speak with all sides. I think that's probably your best case scenario to come out of this with, uh, you know, as we say in Washington, a bill is something that you've got everybody uh, are walking away as if they felt like they got something out of the deal. Yeah, and right. uh, at this point, I don't think that's where we are. I don't think no. uh, there's a lot of people not too keen on it, um, and that's that's not a good thing. But you know, look, there's still plenty of time to get this right, and hopefully they'll slow it down a little bit. And they'll get it right. Yeah, that's that's what we're hoping. We're keeping our fingers crossed, and we uh, will be engaging over the next week. And and, and uh, you know, if the bill doesn't change, we'll just we're going to keep out against it. That's our that's our strategy right now. Jason Pye, the Director of Public Policy and Legislative Affairs for FreedomWorks. How can we get in touch with you? We'll follow you on social media, or, yeah. or how can we, you, uh, if we want to get involved with FreedomWorks, um, how do we do that? Well, if you would like to get involved in FreedomWorks, please visit FreedomWorks.org. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash FreedomWorks, on Twitter, Twitter.com slash FreedomWorks. 
And you can find me on Twitter uh, uh, at Pi. P is in Paul, Y is in yellow, E is in Edward. Well, everyone, that brings to a close yet another edition of the Politically Incorrect Podcast. I'm Jim Williams, your host. We'd like to thank our guest, Jason Pye, the Director of Public Policy and Legislative Affairs for FreedomWorks. He did a wonderful job of breaking down the American Health Care Act and why so many conservatives are against it as a possible replacement for the Affordable Care Act, or a.k.a. Obamacare. So, uh, by the way, you can listen to, and we hope that you do, the Politically Incorrect podcast through iTunes, your Google Play Store, Blog Talk Radio, or, of course, right here at News Talk Florida. So, for Jason Pye, our guest from FreedomWorks, I'm Jim Williams, your host for the Politically Incorrect podcast. We wish you a very happy and safe weekend. 